it's it's getting hard to do it now. Mm. I mean, minimum wage, H two A, it's just kind of we're still getting the same pricing on as we did five years ago when it was nine dollars. It's hard, but we got to make it work. I don't see myself losing this farm, and I'll do anything to keep it. This is the Real Food, Real People podcast. Okay, so I'm going to geek out a little bit on this week's episode. I grew up on a family fruit farm in Washington State, and so did our guest today. But on the other side of the Cascade Mountains, and so so many of his experiences fit with mine, yet the specific details are different, if that makes sense. So forgive me for just wanting to know everything about how his farm works. We're, we're going to talk with John Griggs. He's a fifth generation tree fruit farmer. They do cherries and apples and a few pears over in Orondo, just north of Wenatchee. And he reminds me of myself and I guess kind of who I would have been if I would have decided to stay with the farming thing, which I had to think a lot about when I was in high school and deciding what was I going to do after high school? Was I going to stick with the farming thing? Was I going to go to college for farming or for something else? I was also passionate about communications. I took the communications route, obviously, but there's still part of me that wonders, should I have done the farming thing? I still have it in my blood. I still love it so much. And that's the life he's living. He's a true blue farm kid. So that's why I'm really pumped to share his story and the stuff that he faces day to day. So again, John Griggs Jr., his dad is John Griggs as well. Um, join me now in getting to know him and hearing what his life is all about. Somebody who's super passionate about farming and growing apples and cherries and pears. This is the Real Food, Real People podcast, documenting my journeys across Washington State to get to know the real people behind the food that we grow and eat here. You grew up around this. This is yeah from is, from being a baby. You were on this the farm. Is life. <laughs> <laughs> what was that like growing up? Um. I learned how to drive a tractor at 10 years old, and yeah. I was working swamping in the during the summer. Yeah. Right after school, it was go go work. Yeah. <laughs> but it was really nice. I, I really enjoyed it. So when is cherry season? Like, when do things really get crazy? Like, right after you would get done with your school year? Yeah, right mid-June is yeah. right, right when it starts. That's, but build up to that still. Yeah. I'm getting the dormant sprays on and yeah yeah and then we end usually third week of july is when our sweet mm-hmm. tra- sweethearts come off now it was friends came second <laughs> obviously but it was always fun to run around in the orchard and hang out and enjoy the sunshine as a kid what did you do like during harvest time what was your job like once you maybe were a teen and stuff yeah like a- um when i first started i was down with my dad at our loading area and watering down the buckets and getting them ready to put in the reefer. But uh, when I was about 12, I started swamping, which that was a task. Yeah, so what does that mean? What is swamping? Swamping, you're really just putting buckets in bins um, and following tractors around, making sure you don't miss anything. So like full buckets, like 
buckets that people people have picked into yes the crews pick into a bucket yeah crews pick into a it's like a 17 and a half pound bucket mm-hmm. and put them in the bins and then during red so that's for yellow cherries mm-hmm. and then red cherries we do um pick into these 30 pound crates and then mm-hmm. dump them in the bins probably got to dump pretty careful not mm-hmm. to soft yeah soft soft mm. you gotta it it it's it's a heavy day. <laughs> yeah, how many hours a day? Uh, usually you're up at three and go until about two thirty, and then then you go talk to dad and <laughs> see if you have to spray at night. So now I've heard things about sometimes with the heat you have to yeah take, heat take time off. Heat's big big part of it. You don't want to pick when it's above ninety degrees. That's when you start to get some bruising and it's just cherries don't don't like heat <laughs> so you were working like crazy as a kid on the farm at what point did you decide this is what i want to do i think when i was like five years old <laughs> just seeing my dad and how he worked and he he drove semi after work to seattle and to the airport to dump cherries off mm. and just seeing his drive and providing for us and i really wanted to be like him still do <laughs> you get to go along on those trips sometimes? i did i did i sat i slept in the back on the bunk and <laughs> and i'd go over with them try to go as many times as possible until mom said no nope, you're staying home for the night <laughs> <laughs> how many pounds of cherries are on a semi oh but uh our our semi is rated for one thousand one hundred and five thousand pounds so uh you got about 110 bins in that mm. semi ours is a, we got four reefers that are 53 feet long so when it ha- happens to your cherries how do they get marketed is that a fresh product that people are consuming mm-hmm. yeah uh so we do a lot in our export so asia mm. um taiwan singapore um our we go through a marketing company and we they'll kind of tell us what to pick and we'll we'll go with it and this past year, we, we used to be in the packing business as well. Mm. Um, the, we owned a Rondo Fruit Company, and it was for about 40 years. And so we packed cherries, and we did it ourselves. But now things change, and yeah, we're going through them. And we do some domestic. We got a cher- our own cherry, and that goes domestic. What do you mean your own cherry? Well, we, we actually have our own patent on a cherry oh really yeah it's uh called the ronda ruby yeah so explain right what's special about it uh it's an early kind of an early rainier um mm. it's a little bit more tart than a rainier mm-hmm. but still yellow flesh and really pretty red like a ruby i guess but um we found that about 12 years ago my grandpa he fa- explain how does that happen that he <laughs> uh, found it he was walking through one of our blocks actually up um on this on our home blocks and um he noticed the cherry was a little earlier and it was in a rainier block and we my grandpa's like ah let's let's send it off let's take a sample and give it to a nursery and see if they can and it was totally different it's a hybrid we don't know the the alleles are totally different and um it's just kind of one in a million like Chance. So what it was it just a happenstance cross between something else that yeah. happened to be in your yeah I mean it's dead center and 
one of our rainier blocks. <laughs> and it was just one tree? Mm-hmm. One, the, we call it the mother tree. <laughs> yeah. And it, it's weird. And he doesn't know how it happened. He's been farming. He's almost 80. He's 75. Yeah. And he's never seen it happen before. <laughs> That's crazy. Yeah. Because I know, like, growing up with the raspberry business mm-hmm. on my parents' farm, it was always, you know, coming up with a new variety, which, you know, varieties to cross. And, you know, there's scientists that are working oh, yeah. on this to come up with that berry that's better or more hearty or, you know, all these desirable mm-hmm. qualities, which is why we have a lot of the fruits and veggies that we have. It is. And the, a lot of people don't know that. Mm. Yeah. Like, yeah, anything. Yeah. Almost every apple now is a, it's crossed. Yeah. Either with a honey crisp or an old apple back in Michigan or New York. Right. I mean, it's weird. But for it to just happen spontaneously. Yeah. And that's even crazy. The, the nursery was like, ah, we, <laughs> we don't know. <laughs> but um, yeah, we've got to farm that. It's it's about third week of June that gets harvested. Mm. And, um, got about 80 acres of it. So, how many acres total do you guys have fruit on? About 480. Mm. Yeah, about 230 of its cherries. And what's the rest? Uh, apples and four acres of pears. Okay. Yeah. So talk a little bit about your family history. You're fifth generation yes, on this farm. And you're, what, like 23, 24, 24 years yeah. old. Yeah. How did your family end up here? Where did they come from? Uh, I think my great-great-grandma was from Norway, and she was a fisher. And then she moved here and in, like, late 1800s. And um, she moved, she built a, or... Her husband built a house, uh, first stick-built house in Douglas County, and then started farming. We started with peaches. We farmed about 50 acres of peaches, which that was a tedious task. <laughs> yeah. What, what's the deal with peaches? I, You know, being from western Washington, I don't know how, about growing these kinds of fruit. They're just hard. If you look at them wrong, they'll bruise really? yeah. <laughs> when they're ripe. And yeah. just... Uh, Packing them's tedious. We we packed them in a red barn. We we packed them until I was fifteen in a red barn. <laughs> then we finally took them out. But uh, the family, we've been farming I think since nineteen hundred and started, and we just tore down our last cherry tree from that at least a hundred years old, and finally stopped stopped giving us fruit. <laughs> So that was like one of the original. Yeah, it trees. was about twenty five feet tall. Wow. Yeah, and it had one limb that had fruit left <laughs> on it. So that, that's what happened. The cherry trees just get too old and don't put fruit out. Yeah, anymore. they'll they'll start to get um start to get some rot in them, and it's just just time for them to get out. But it was hard, <laughs> especially on my grandpa. Yeah. But uh, no, we've I've never moved out of the valley. I mean, I went to college in Wenatchee and through the tree fruit program, and um, it's the only place I'd really live. What, what was it like? You grew up right here in Arondo. Right. What, what, what's, how big is this town? It's got a gas station, <laughs> uh, a golf course, and <laughs> one restaurant, and that's about it. What's the, I should, I guess I could uh, Wikipedia this, but like, what's the population of Arondo? Uh, like 500, probably, yeah. during... And then during harvest, about probably 3,000. Just because of all Just the workers. all the workers coming in. So what's it like growing up in a town that small? Uh, you kind of 
are free to roam the land, really. I mean, nobody's everybody knows each other. Um, uh, people, you, you'll see the old folk at the gas station in the morning drinking coffee and talking about what their orchard's doing, really. Um, I, all, I've got all my family lives here, really, or Waterville, which is just up the hill from us. And I, I don't see it any other way. Like going over to Seattle or Spokane, it's still just wide eyes. Like, <laughs> why is there so much traffic? <laughs> but, uh, no, I went to school there. I guess there's a little schoolhouse, but I mean, it, I still, I grew up with all my buddies and I'm still friends with them. And, they're they're still out here too (laughs) sometimes when you grow up in a small town there are a lot of kids and i i didn't i grew up in a small town not as small as a rondo Mm -hmm. but there were a lot of kids who were like i want to get out of here yeah i'm just waiting to get done with high school and i'm going to go to college and i'm gone yeah no i my mom and dad wanted me to but i was like i i don't see it they wanted you to leave well they wanted me to get out and experience Mm -hmm. another town even if it was like wsu pullman or wherever they they were like i was never given that chance but so do it and i was like no i'm gonna i'm gonna be stubborn and stay here and i don't see i don't regret it and i still am i don't know i i just can't see myself any other way are there bad things about growing up in this small of a town yes and no the drive to town (laughs) it's about 35 minutes which is fine to wenatchee yeah or um during the summer, you get a lot of boats on the river, people people being dumb. But that's it, really. I don't see it. I don't see very many negatives. Sometimes the fires, you get pretty good fires, but that's it. Ever had a fire affect the orchards? No. Um, we had one close, but not nothing burned. But thank goodness. <laughs> What's the future look like, do you think? Mm. What, what, are, what are your plans what what do you want to see this become i want it to get a little bigger but um i it's it's getting hard to do it now mm. i mean minimum wage h2a it's just kind of we're still getting the same pricing on as we did five years ago when it was nine dollars <laughs> mm-hmm. but i see us we're in a good spot we can we can still grow and we're planning on it just finding the right opportunities and partners and stuff like that so you talk about the minimum wage that's a higher cost for the farm oh, with yeah. not like you're getting more money for your fruit no, you're saying no we're getting same pricing five ten years ago on fruit and you mentioned h2a too how has that affected that, this whole situation that's made the minimum wage go higher than the regular minimum wage mm-hmm. and i think it's like 15 high 15 and it's we have to, we had to bring in hundred guys this year and we we have about 275 people working during cherries and mm-hmm. pears and stuff which is i mean if they're not we pay by bucket but if they don't pick the bucket rate which minimum wage i mean it's hard to pick that many buckets in an hour <laughs> um it's just made costs go way up chemicals keep going up and uh land prices are up and it's just kind of a tough spot how do you handle working with employees? You know, there's been a lot of talk about that. And are, are workers being treated fairly? Oh, yeah. I mean, um, the foreman, our foreman, he's been here for 35 years. I grew up with his kids. I'm friends with them. I hang out with them on the, I go to the 
worker dinner, like potlucks and stuff. Uh, every year we do a like a soccer game down at the school, and um, we've got about thirty guys that I've they're pretty much grown up and taught me a bunch pruning. I've worked alongside with them. I've I've been to people's soccer games. I've gone to their kids' wrestling matches. I mean, our our guys are. I'm very thankful for them for being here for us and try to treat them good. They they all live in our housing and stuff like that. Yeah, I know. Right now, in any line of work anywhere, people are just looking for good people. Yeah, yeah. You gotta find. You gotta be be there for your employees and stand up for them and help them out. I feel like that's what my dad's taught me. There's been a lot of talk, though, about how hard it is to find people who want to work on a farm. It is, and especially, like, the swampers, like, the teens, the high schoolers, they'd much rather not work. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> um, they'd rather go up to Chelan and go swimming up at the lake. Or It's really hard to find a young kid that wants to work in an orchard, get their hands dirty, be hot all day, and work get up at three mm-hmm. <laughs> you can't find very many i've got cousins that are having to work for us and they they like it but they're it's not their favorite yeah <laughs> if you're good how much money can you make during season oh man uh like by the hour or I don't well know, probably... we do we do by bucket if you can pick that many um one day we we worked till like five at night picking before a rainstorm and I was driving tractor and I came up to one guy and was scanning his card and I was like, he has a hundred and five buckets already and that's like six, seven hundred bucks. And I'm like, Oh my god <laughs> And I go and tell my mom and she's like, I know <laughs> I know. <laughs> yeah. I just you can make you can make good money. You if you work hard for it you'll you'll make a decent you'll probably make 10 15 grand in the month and a half really yeah wow yeah it's if you're fast you're you're good so that difficulty just finding enough people to do the work though that's why you guys oh, had yeah. to bring in h2a yeah we workers. used to be able to do just 150 guys but our production's gone way up and um we nobody would even stop by we used to have people stop by looking for work. Now it's almost non-existent. We put up our, we go to like the work source and put our name out there. And say, I mean, we even upped our per bucket pay. Nobody. So mm. we were like, we gotta, <laughs> we gotta do this. Or what if you paid even more? I I don't know. I I I'd, I'd hope people would come. I mean, I'd much rather work outside than in an office. Yeah. <laughs> But um, we've we've tried almost everything. Ads in the paper, uh, put them put them on in Rondo stores or WalMarts or nobody. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Calling my cousin's friends, hey, you want to come come work for a couple weeks and well, you can stay out at our place. But they didn't say no. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but so you talk about your dream, you know, as you continue on with this family farm mm-hmm. to get bigger yeah could this you could the issue of finding workers keep you from being able to do that yeah oh yeah definitely um if you'd almost have to bring a whole probably a couple hundred h2a in, and you also need housing for them which we had to bus bus them out from cashmere uh we bought three buses school buses 
uh, <laughs> mm. just to just to get it. We even pay people's rent for their housing, and mm. that didn't work. But they used to a they're they're here to work, and they're slow at first, but they 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 keep they catch on pretty good. Just because they're people, you know, they haven't done this particular kind of work before. Yeah, um, some of them have been up here before, uh, but. Mostly, they're they're not even that. This isn't even their profession. I mean, they're contractors or just farmers themselves. Mm. But uh, yeah, when they come up here, they're kind of like, uh, and of course, they're far away from home. But so, from what you're saying, that's pretty expensive to do, though, to bring those people. It's very expensive. Yeah, it's about I think it's like fifteen hundred dollars a person to get them up here, and then the wage that they make, the wage they make, and the housing we have to pay for. Yeah, it adds up. <laughs> but you, s- you have gotta to do, do that it. just because there's nobody else. Yeah, you gotta you gotta do it. To, some people just the farther north you go, the harder it gets to find people. Mm. Yeah. So if you talk about getting bigger, that would be just adding more acres of cherries, or do you want to branch out into other stuff? Uh, probably go more into apples. Yeah. See, I feel we got plenty of cherries. <laughs> yeah. Got about three million pounds of cherries. Wow. Yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> what kind of apples do you guys have? Uh, we got ga- uh, Buckeye Galas, which is high-color gala. Mm. Um, Aztec Fujis, mm. which is high-color. Pretty much everything high-color. Um, Honeycrisp. Oh, what, what does that mean, high-color? Uh, really red and mm-hmm. more. The older varieties were lighter, and the new ones are, bam, in your face, red. Mm. <laughs> and uh, uh, Honeycrisp. You got red royal red honey crisp the newer version and uh sugar bee sugar bee is a club variety what does that mean uh it, the warehouse that owns the variety it's uh well so the marketing company owns it but we have to go through our packing house to get it it was like a proprietary thing where you yeah. get licensed to do it yeah if we get to pay a royalty for the trees and um we got about I think we picked 1200 bins of those it's like a it's a really sweet apple i've seen them in the stores but i i can't honestly say i've had one they're very good they're bring that up. super sweet like a, it's almost like a candy mm. <laughs> awesome. but um no that's a very good ver- apple we and i guess we got some ambrosia too they're grafted in grannies so you're busy in like june into july with the cherries yep and then what you have a lull in the middle of the summer Three weeks, and then we start pairs. Which, but think, thankfully, we only have a little bit. Yeah. But uh, then, right after pairs is apples, galas, and let's go until uh, about a week after my birthday, which is in October. Mm. Yeah. Last year we went a little late on the Fujis and Pink Ladies, but now I read somewhere that there's some people who had apples they didn't even pick this year. Was that because of weather? Or? Yeah, we had a freeze um come through in like quincy area and stuff and they literally froze Mm. and i mean you can't do anything they'll shrivel and it's just no good a lot of people for their fujis did that that's a late that's a it's a a later variety yeah but help was pretty hard this year too so some people were picking with half a crew on the bigger orchards too just because they couldn't get enough workers Mm -hmm. Yeah, and they were paying like 35, 40 bucks a bin, and that's a lot of money. <laughs> wow. Yeah. That's what the state is famous for. It what, is. What what's it like to know that you're raising and and providing that food that's world famous? Uh, 
kind of cool, but at the same time, it's like it's a task. I mean, you got to get it in the good market and to even hope to make some money. But uh, that just we grow. I think we go to the right varieties and the new varieties, which people are seeing in the stores. And um, but it's definitely different. You can't have old orchards anymore. You got to have new high density really high density orchards to to do it but why is that why does that why does the density make a difference more bins per acre uh just more volume Mm -hmm. people are trying to up the volume and we get you can't do like 40 bins an acre anymore you got to be 80 100 some are at 120 how much is a bin weigh oh uh about 800 to 1200 pounds a lot of weight yeah pears are heavier acre yeah yeah, you're picking a lot of fruit. <laughs> and it's amazing. We don't have it still picked the same way as it was way back when. I mean, it there's no no picking machine yet or you still got to have the bodies. <laughs> yeah. And people don't like picking apples. Yeah. And it's heavy. Uh, your back is shot. <laughs> hard work. Hard hard work. Your fingers hurt and you're you're all sweaty. <laughs> You talk about different varieties and stuff. There's been a lot of buzz about Cosmic Crisp. Yeah. Anybody doing that around here? Oh yeah. Uh we we didn't we we didn't have any acreage to open up for it. Mm. Uh but yeah, we almost everybody north planted some. That's another one of those like sugar bee where you have to like pay a royalty, right? Uh I believe so, but uh I know it's only us in the state that can grow it, uh, the apple growers, but uh, it's a great apple. Um, stores really well. It's crisp. It's um, I like it a lot. Mm. Yeah. It's always interesting because you hear the buzz in, in public. I always wonder, <laughs> you know, what are the farmers saying behind the scenes yeah. on something new like that? Like, <laughs> oh, this is actually a pain in the butt. Oh, yeah. Something, it's, something like that. It's a pain to open up the land, get it all ready, buy the supplies, materials, and then plant it. And to put a new variety mm-hmm. in. Yeah. Otherwise, how long does a planting last in apples? Um, I We've got some trees that are 40 years old. Really? Yeah. Uh, some granny trees in, in our driveway. <laughs> but uh, Do they still produce good? Yeah. They're 80 bins an acre right now. You but, say uh, granny, you mean Granny Smith? Granny Smith, yeah. 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 The old... I don't like those apples, but... <laughs> too tart for you? Way too tart. <laughs> See, that's what I like about them. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> they make a good pie, but uh, yeah, yeah uh, I like Galas, Goldens, and Fujis are my main main ones. What makes a really good apple, or for that matter, a really good cherry? What's the secret to that? Because I know the fruit that we produce here in Washington, and particularly here in this area, Wenatchee, Arundo is some of the best anywhere yeah uh you need you need the weather good weather you need a good microclimate uh where we are in this valley i mean i think we produce some of the best cherries in the world uh i know it's my family's orchard but i mean we've been we've been in billboards in china i mean Mm. (laughs) i've seen people fighting over our fruit over there (laughs) You've been over there a few times? Yeah. Well, at least my dad has. I've mm-hmm. he's he's sent me pictures, of yep. course. But uh no, I mean, uh you gotta you gotta work hard for it. You can't you can't miss a task. Uh if you miss one you might 
you might be like, ah, oh, shoot, it's not this big. I mean, you got to have the right sprays. You got to you gotta have the mylar f- pulled out uh, to make them red. Mm. Uh, yeah, explain. How, how does that work? So the sun reflects off the mylar underneath the cherry. The tops of the cherries get red mm-hmm. for yellow cherries. Red cherries, they get red no matter what. Mm-hmm. But... uh um you pull out we we have this it's like a fabricy kind of mm-hmm. stuff um it's called extende um it's a white mylar film mm. um it's reusable so uh you pull it out sun reflects off it you got about seven hours of good sun for it to it pretty much my grandpa says it bakes the fruit, but <laughs> <laughs> so you're basically it's reflective, bounces the bounces off light back into up into the bottoms the... of the fruit to redden mm. the bottoms and sides, and pretty much you get the full. It's pretty much mini sun yeah. on the bottom of the trees. Like people who use reflectors when they're out sun tanning, or yeah, I've seen people do exactly, that exactly like that, just on a bigger scale. <laughs> yeah, I guess. <laughs> yeah, got to be quite the job to put all that. Oh. On. Putting it out and picking it up, it's a pain. You're hot, and it's just, oh, no. Yeah, because you don't do that when the weather is uh-uh. cool. No, no, you're <laughs> picking if it's cool. If it's hot, you're like, what do you want me to do now? I'll go pick it up. Uh-huh, no. Gets water on it. Oh, yeah, it's hard. Does it take a lot of irrigation for these trees? Yeah. Um, On apples, we use overhead cooling, overhead sprinklers to keep them cool. Mm. Or else it'll it, apples will bake on the tree. Cherries Sun, sunburn or they'll get sunburn. They'll they'll start to shrivel at if it's hot and then cool. And mm-hmm. uh, apples are a lot harder to keep cool. Mm. But uh, um, and yeah. they have to be out there for more of the hot summer too. Since uh-huh. They, they got to until... make it through until fall. <laughs> yeah, I think like, the cherries could probably make it. Could they? No cherries would, <laughs> if they were. They turn into raisin. <laughs> Uh, yeah, it takes quite a bit of water, but we got a bunch of wells and, um, summers are hot, but not hot enough to make things difficult. Somebody going grocery shopping, what should they be looking for when they're looking for cherries, for instance? Look, check the stems. The stems, uh, if they're not green, I wouldn't, I wouldn't buy them. Mm, What does that tell you? It's just the cherry's been sitting there for a while and Mm. it's probably really soft and, so that's an indicator of freshness. Uh, yeah, hmm. yeah, and uh, check and make sure the stems like not that big, not tiny, but mm-hmm. more long. Uh, it's just how how you. I say the quality of the fruit. Right. Yeah, that's how I was taught to look at fruit. But you got to think of how long it takes. You got to have them packed. You got to. Um, you won't get to a fruit until it's probably a week old, but they hold their freshness. Probably also should check and make sure it's grown in Washington. Yes, right? check and make sure it's here. <laughs> yeah. It, what's competition for you guys? Is there fruit that comes in from other parts of the country or the world oh, yeah. for cherries? California, Turkey, mm. uh, Chile is a big one. Chile, uh, I think they, they're either picked or picking soon their fruit. Right, because they're, they're totally different. Yeah. This is their Opposite summer. side of the year, right? <laughs> and, uh, yeah, uh, uh, Europe has... Quite a bit of cherries, surprisingly. Mm-hmm. Um, what? Uh, who else? Those don't end up over here, though, do they? They, they would. Sometimes you have to buy them. Mm-hmm. Uh, is different timing of season. Different or? timing. Markets change. Uh, tariffs change. Uh, mm-hmm. I mean, 
things lift and they're like flood the market let's go and yeah. <laughs> you're sitting here no <laughs> you gotta check with all that kind of stuff and sometimes you'll get fruit that's not even from the united states <laughs> but yeah no thanks I, no thanks i want fruit i want from fruit here. <laughs> from here and to be my fruit <laughs> yeah on there's it's just it's different standards it is here i mean right i think this state grows by far the best fruit um whether it be apples cherries peaches i think i think we get it done and right why is that the weather uh the people growing them, they care. They want they want their product to be well, and they'll complain if they <laughs> if they don't get it done right. And um, I mean, I know my my family does. If the cherry doesn't, if we're picking a little green on one day, we're we'll say, oh, <laughs> we we're done. <laughs> um, we want them to be good for the consumer. We care about them. That's what keeps us business. With you know, being tougher and tougher to find labor and other pressures here. You think there could be a future where there's more and more stuff that's just brought in there from could other, be. other countries? Yeah, that's definitely. I mean, our standards are way different than elsewhere. I can tell you that. Uh, I've seen some some that I'm like, how is that even possible? I would never do that. From like other countries? Yeah, I mean yeah like what kind of stuff like i've seen my dad sent me pictures of like apples on the ground like bare ground dirt and they're handing them they're selling them like that with a tarp over them (laughs) i'm like if we did that we'd get in a lot of trouble (laughs) yeah no kidding and we we got really strict standards here not just us but everywhere uh and you'll get bit for it if you don't What's the biggest pressure for the farm? What's the the hardest thing for like thinking about the future to keep it going? Um, say la- labor mostly. Yeah, yeah. Uh, our guys are getting older. I mean, I'd say most of our guys are over forty five, fifty years old, and they're gonna want to go do stuff. <laughs> yeah, and it's it's scary, but you gotta you gotta keep doing it. I guess one way or another, we've thought about bringing platforms in. Going more mechanical, but they don't have a picking machine yet, but they're trying. <laughs> yeah. Um, registered efficiency, I guess. I think labor equipment's not cheap anymore, but yeah, everything. <laughs> Everything's gone up tenfold. So what do you do then to deal with that? Because you're saying you're not getting any more really for the product. <laughs> you got to make sure you got the right stuff. <laughs> labor, yeah, equipment. Got to keep up on equipment more. Uh, you you're gonna have to put more hours on the already overhoured tractor. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, you're gonna have to be smart. Try try to be more efficient. Uh, just think of creative ways to farm now instead of just do the same thing your dad did. <laughs> yeah, that doesn't get it done anymore. I uh, for sure. Sadly, what do you think about the whole organic thing? You guys aren't doing the organic no. thing. No, organic. I think it's getting flooded, and I, the first people that did it, they hit home runs. <laughs> but we tried to go organic on our pears, and we were spraying more then than on our conventional stuff. Wait, you're organic? Yeah, you're, Required- spray, you're spraying more on your organic than your uh, conventional. You're, you don't have the same potency. Everything's like a virus. It's 
for insecticides, they're pretty much a biological virus for the insect. Doesn't affect anybody else. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, we were spaying two times a week and instead of once mm-hmm. or sometimes three if we were getting a lot of coddly moth or any insect, really. I mean, we had to go back through. Uh. Yeah. <laughs> I know we had previously, we had April Clayton from up the road. Oh, yeah on the podcast here and she was talking they were doing organic cherries and had to stop for that reason uh-huh. because the organic products that they were having to use were killing their cherry trees yeah oh yeah you seen that i've seen that all the time organic cherries are you that's hard 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 to do uh chemicals are totally different and even right now our our stuff isn't like it was i guess people are worried about chemicals being on their fruit yeah. What what would you tell them to? I wouldn't be nervous. I eat fruit right off the tree, mm-hmm. <laughs> and I, I'm fine. But, uh, I I don't see it being a big issue. Not anymore. Back in the old days. Back in the old days. Now. So wh- why do you have to do that? I guess for somebody who's curious, why why do you have to spray anything? Why why do the organic people? Why, why do they even have to spray? What what are they trying to deal with? Keep them passed down. Uh. I mean, you don't want to be the guy that has that, like, a coddly moth or uh, a cherry fruit fly, which if you get cherry fruit fly, you're you're done with the warehouse. Mm. You got to stop. They'll kick you out. They won't take your fruit. They'll kick you out. Nope. Sorry. They'll even, what they have, they already packed, they'll throw away. Is that probably what leaves little tiny worms in the fruit or something? Yeah, it's a little, it's a little tiny worm in the cherry. Ugh. Yeah, but... Never, very few people get that. If they don't upkeep their orchard, they're the ones that get it. Mm. But uh, you got to spray to keep pests down. Uh, you got to spray nutrients on those leaves. Uh, you got to get the leaves big. You got to fertilize them. You got to feed the tree. Mm-hmm. You can't do it on its own. If it does, it's going to be a gnarly looking tree. <laughs> <laughs> After a cherry season, the trees, they produced... 20 30 pounds of fruit on their tree some some more um you got to give them some give them some food and put them to bed <laughs> do they go sleep. like dormant then or what, what oh yeah do? they'll go dormant they'll lose all their leaves buds will start coming in uh they'll they'll be tight but they're just getting ready for the for the spring i can tell you love it oh yeah why why do you it's, have so much passion for it's this? freedom i mean i i don't I get to work with my family. I get to uh, help just give a product that I, I'm passionate for, and it's all I've known. <laughs> I didn't see myself sitting in an office all day long. And, but even here, I'm, I could be working from three to God, God knows when. <laughs> One time I've sprayed 22 hours straight and then had an hour off to sleep, and I had to go drive a tractor in the cherries. <laughs> Uh, yeah, but I, I wouldn't have it any other way. I get to see my family. I don't, I live on the farm. I'm two minutes away from my grandpa. Uh, he's one of, he's probably my biggest, biggest motivator, Mm. biggest to do anything. I've lived right next to him for 24 years. (laughs) What what have you learned from him? I've learned what the varieties are. I've learned how he does things. Um, I've learned how to tree train, uh, Learn how to plant orchards. I've learned what a high density orchard is compared to a medium density to a sm- 
low density. Uh, I've learned how to pick, like know when fruit's ready. Pretty much everything. <laughs> Being raised in this world, what was it like going to college for that program? Did, uh, I mean, it sounds like maybe you could have <laughs> taught the classes yourself. Yeah, uh, it was. I learned some stuff, but yeah, uh, I I I went to get it. I had to get something <laughs> mm-hmm. to work out here. Even I don't, I don't even work out here full time yet. But so, what else do you do? I'm inside sales for an ag chem company in East Wenatchee. Okay, yeah, a lot of farmers have jobs off the farm oh yeah to keep doing it yeah they they need to now uh you, you'll get people working for the dot in the winter mm. to plow roads yeah <laughs> uh some of them don't even they're hobby farmers they've got five ten acres and they'll they'll do it well i gotta go prune they'll do it by themselves you hope to one day be entirely on the farm or oh yeah i hope soon <laughs> what what'll that take uh my dad my family's young mm-hmm. <laughs> uh they had me young and so he's about 18 19 years older than me so mm-hmm. i've got to and he doesn't own the orchard fully yet so kind of got to wait for that to happen then keeping a farm like this in the family is it's hard, hard ha- yeah it's hard hard but we gotta make it work i don't see myself losing this farm and i'll do anything to keep it you know, I've asked other people in your situation if they feel a lot of pressure, but it sounds like to me it's not that you feel pressure other than just your own, like you're passionate do about it, it and want to keep doing it, <laughs> not because somebody else is telling you to. Uh-uh. No, dad, my dad told me, you go do you, uh, whether or not even be in the farm. He doesn't care as long as I'm making a living and doing good in society, I guess. <laughs> but you're like, no, yeah. I, I want to keep this going. Yeah, and same with my sister. I mean... She she worked in the orchard, but she she's like, oh, <laughs> yeah, I got to do this. But she liked it, and now she wants to be in the marketing side and in the orchard too. But I mean, as long as as long as you're passionate about it, go for it. They say. What would you say to folks in Seattle who are eating tree fruit from over here or food from anywhere grown in Washington? What? Um, no, it's grown with passion. I mean, even if it's a big two three thousand acre farm i mean there's people behind it you gotta uh you gotta know they they have families and you're you're providing for them really i mean they just this is their job their life (laughs) i mean they're just as passionate as i am um whether they're they're in that situation or not they still do it (laughs) big farms are still owned by families too (laughs) um i'm really good friends with big growers and they're just like us just two three times bigger but uh they don't see themselves leaving uh they want the small growers still uh and everybody helps each other out in the farming i mean we share people with our neighbors i mean i have an uncle that lives right next to us that has a 13 acre pear orchard and we come and pick it for him and he he helps us out too but can the consumer trust the fruit that they're buying that's grown in Washington? Absolutely. Oh, it's grown with care. <laughs> Buy it. <laughs> <laughs> what what's what's your biggest fear with all of this? Not being able to do it. That's that's a big disappointing, I guess. The fi- I mean, I I don't that's tough. <laughs> uh getting told that you're done. <laughs> That's probably the biggest fear. 
you remember hard years in the past? Oh what, yeah. What have been the what have been the roughest times that you can remember? Uh, I remember my dad saying he, he's like, we might not be able to fix this tractor. <laughs> uh, when back when early mid two thousands, I mean that was a tough tough time for orchards. Even even people that had the new varieties were still nobody's buying a fruit. I mean, what did we do? <laughs> and well, everybody goes through a tough time. Even the big boys go through tough times. It, I mean, you can you can tell. What did that mean for your family during that time? What was brought it like? us close? We were we're really close already, but we were, I mean, we were eating dinners together, trying to hey, what what do we do? What what can I do to make things better? I mean, even when we owned the packing shed, we were still, what can we do? Do we do we pack this variety? Do we say no? I mean. That's that's one of the tough things is you're I mean no grower wants to be told no. <laughs> yeah, you just want to keep growing. Yeah, more. they're like we just want to do <laughs> we want to farm. I mean, some people are that that's all they've been doing. That's all my family's done, but we don't see it any other way. You hope to have family and kids one day and yeah. have them continue it on. Into- yeah, I'd hope so, but I mean, I I'll give them the option. I mean, it's always here for you, but don't just abuse it. That's what I've been told. What would abusing it? Be? Oh, just kind of. Oh, we've I farm, but I really don't work. <laughs> I've got a bunch of free time on my hands, and I'm yeah. not doing anything. Yeah. That's kind of what I see it as. <laughs> That's what my dad told me playing Xbox when I'm 18 years old. And what are you doing? Uh, <laughs> relaxing? <laughs> Come on, we gotta go. Oh no. <laughs> yeah. That's not typically what the 18-year-old playing uh-uh. Xbox gets told. <laughs> no, they're like, okay, 15 more minutes. No, this, <laughs> you're done right now or else I'll shut it off. <laughs> well, thank you for sharing your story. I appreciate it. And thanks for what you do. I can tell you just put everything you have into producing the fruit that you guys do here. Yeah, thank you. This is the Real Food, Real People podcast. These are the stories of the people who grow your food. Talking with John and hearing that conversation again now just ah, makes me want to get back into farming in some ways so much. And I don't know if it affects other people that way. I think it's because of my upbringing, growing up on a fruit farm. So much of that stuff just makes sense to me. But in some ways, it's part of me that's been sort of dormant, I guess. This is the Real Food, Real People podcast. I'm Dylan Honkoop, and this is kind of documenting my journeys around Washington State to get to know the real people behind our food. Um, I love talking with John. We've got a lot of really cool conversations coming up, and we really would appreciate a follow on Instagram, on Facebook, if that's what you like to do, or on Twitter, whatever your preferences, or all of the above. Also, if you could subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts or on Spotify or or whatever platform you prefer, um, that would really help us too. Uh, and, and share these episodes. We're trying to bring more people into the conversation and get the word out that farmers here in Washington are real people too. And I think it's important that we get to know them and, and understand the realities that they face because we want to keep farming and farmers and farmland here in our state. And making sure that farmers have a face is, I think, important 
Again, this is the Real Food, Real People podcast. Subscribe, follow us on social media. And if you want to reach out directly to me, Dylan at realfoodrealpeople.org is my email address. The Real Food, Real People podcast is sponsored in part by Save Family Farming, giving a voice to Washington's farm families. Find them online at savefamilyfarming.org.